know that the Bible has more verses on money than any other topic? Actually, over 2,300. There is a deep connection between how we think, treat, and deal with money to our own spiritual lives. 2300 Reasons Why is a podcast designed to pursue a biblical worldview of money so that we have a better understanding of how money can be used to make a bigger kingdom impact. Join me, Austin Tomes, Wealth Advisor and Certified Financial Planner at Passage Wealth, as I explore various topics and scripture verses as it relates to biblical truth for financial truth. Listen as I interview pastors, professors, authors, business owners, and more as they share a deeper understanding of God's Word and their personal experiences when it comes to money. I will also provide financial tips, insights, and education as it relates to your financial journey. And remember, if Jesus spoke and taught on money so much, so should we. Hello, everyone, wherever you are, however you're listening, thank you for making 2300 Reasons Why a part of your routine. I'm your host, Austin Tomes, Wealth Advisor and Certified Financial Planner at Passage Wealth, and here today for another episode. But before we dive into that, I do want to take a minute to thank Bot Radio Network here in Fort Wayne, a Christian radio station, a lot of Bible teaching, just do a ton of great things and very thankful for the opportunity and the partnership that we have with them for us to be able to come in here and just interview our guests and not have to worry about the editing, recording, and producing there. So very thankful. You can check them out at botradionetwork.com to learn more about them. But today we're here for another episode as we pursue a biblical pursuit of money and how that relates to our overall life. And there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that pertain to money, wealth, and possessions. And so taking time to interview different people to highlight one of those verses that relates to them in their life and then stories that can come of it. And then finally, a way that we can maybe challenge us listening and myself to have a better mindset when it comes to our faith and finances. And so today I'm thankful to have Corey Rogers on the episode with me. Corey, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. We've known each other for a couple of years and share similar passions. We were both athletes. He was a notch above me in terms of the athleticism. He is a little bit older than me, not by much, but was a great basketball player. So we have a sports passion there, both playing basketball at the college level and then also real estate. As you'll hear from Corey, he's a realtor here in Fort Wayne and wears a couple different hats, has a family, wife and some kids. And and yeah, so we also have a passion there on the real estate side of things as well. Corey, why don't you just take a couple of minutes and share with our listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you. I was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana in a blue collar middle class family. My father Worked for the telephone company and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she worked harder at times than my dad did being a stay-at-home mom. I grew up with three siblings, a brother and two sisters. I fell into a passion for basketball at a young age. My older brother actually was a basketball player as well. I learned from him and my dad coached my teams as I grew up and I practiced enough to get a full basketball scholarship to Gardner-Webb University. While at Gardner-Webb, I met my wife and she played golf at Gardner-Webb on a scholarship. We have three wonderful children, Luke, Kira, and Jada. My son just got his driver's license, so that's a little oh, scary. Yeah. Next phase of life there Yes, <laughs> for him and you guys. <laughs> exactly. And we've obviously grown in a lot of ways with them and raising them. They teach us a lot. In the past, I have worked as a supervisor of a group home for boys. That's where I started out while I was in college and learned a lot of patience <laughs> with that. And I And that kind of helped me to learn how to raise my own kids dealing with those boys. I've also been a mortgage loan originator with Waterfield Mortgage here in town and a retail bank manager. And I have been in real estate since 2013 as a realtor. 
and I've done fairly well. I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat that we didn't go over here but ahead of time, but bear with me. But being a college athlete, specifically a basketball player, not everybody gets to do that. What is something that you learned in your athletic days? Because I know your work ethic and I know you still love to even play today. There's a competitive nature there. What's something, even just one thing that you feel like you learned in your athletic playing days that has translated to life? I think the biggest one is consistency in practice, being intentional with what you're doing to better your skill set, whatever that is, your craft, trying to find out what your weaknesses are and working on your weaknesses to overcome those. That definitely translated in business. We all have weaknesses to work on and and just being consistent in that practice to improve those weaknesses so you can survive (laughs) and, and grow. Yeah. And with consistency comes habits. The more consistent you are, the more positive habits you're going to have. And when we do get into that next phase of life, like after playing athletics or graduating college, you're more prepared when life throws you the curveballs and adversity. You can go back on those habits and the consistency that you mentioned there. I know even some of our early conversations when we first met years ago, it was centered around basketball and our experiences there. And it's just grown since then and very thankful for your relationship and value it a lot. Corey, as we segue into the next phase here, the bulk of what we want to talk about, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode and also in the trailer, the whole podcast is designed to be a platform for people to share what God is talking about in the Bible when it comes to money, wealth, and possessions, and being able to provide a platform for people to share a verse or two or something that's on their heart from Scripture when it relates to those topics, and then how we can dive into that a little bit, and then from there share stories and things like that. So. My first question to you is, when you think about that, because I know when I first heard it, I was pretty convicted by it. But when you hear that in the Bible, money, wealth, possessions is talked about more than any other topic, what are some thoughts you had or what did that mean to you? Money is definitely a tool that we have to use on this earth, obviously for the purpose of living. But money can consume a person and pull their attention from God at times. Jesus warned us about having a love of money and being devoted to it more than we are devoted to God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. One of the examples that I have of my own life is my wife and I both spent our time working on gifts we were given by God to be able to earn scholarships to college which saved us a big burden of looking for an expensive loan to go to college. That helped us start debt-free out of college, which a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. That's a big topic today. That helped us. Uh, We felt very blessed for those opportunities. When you have a lot of debt, you become consumed with paying that debt back. You can become a slave to debt, which takes your time working more hours, working late. More stress takes time away from your family and may take away from time you spend with God in the Word. Uh, Having money saved can allow you more flexibility to spend time with God, your family, and friends, and eliminating that stress can be huge for those relationships. As we segued there into Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, not being able to serve two masters, Jesus using that as an example here in the Sermon on the Mount, between serving Him and money, or in some translations, wealth, 
And this verse does tie into what you said at the beginning there, Corey, about the love of money is what the issue is. I think that's in First Timothy there, where it's talking about the root of all evil is the love of money. But like you said, money is designed to be a tool for us to use. And I think some of the challenges he's talking about, a servant can't serve two masters. There's confusion and there's uncertainty. As we look at that compared to our life, I think that's what the struggle is. We want both then it's hard to focus on just, hey, yes, I am trusting God, but I also know that we need money to be able to provide for our families and legacies and different things like that. But that's one of the things I think is that struggle between wanting to serve both. Yes, definitely. And giving is a part of that too. Using money responsibly and saving and having that ability to give to others, we are to be servants for Christ. If you can't stand, you can't help others. Putting yourself in a position where you can be in that position where you can give to others is something I try to focus on and fail at times. Obviously, we all do. But I think that's a good goal to strive for on this earth is to be able to stand so you can help others and give that time or money if need be. So that's been my focus. Yeah, that's that's a great example. Like (laughs) the quote, stand to serve. We think about giving and wanting to be generous with what we've been blessed with as stewards. But in order to be able to give more and steward better, we have to have our ducks in a row. We have to have that foundation of being able to make sure we're doing the right things so that we can be in a position to be even more of a blessing to those around us. Something else that stuck out to me as I was reading this verse and as part of the Sermon on the Mount, I think it gets read quite a bit, but the word devoted, for some reason that stuck out to me and sent me down a path of doing a little bit more research there and be curious your thoughts. But devotion comes from the verb devote, which comes from the Latin word vow or to vow. And that means basically devoted through love and loyalty. How are we being loyal? How are we showing love? How is that on display for others to see through God working in us? When you get married to your wife and you're devoted to raising your kids in God's word, we can be distracted, obviously, by things of this world. When you go to buy a house, for example, I've often tried to advise people not to buy above what they can afford. Or don't liquidate your savings to buy a house that you necessarily want. Buy what you can afford so you still have some money left over for things that may come up or to be able to give (laughs) to others if you can. I've had those conversations with people in real estate where you might get two or three things that you want in a house, but you're not going to get 10 things that you want in a house often. Uh, And that uh, rings true a lot. Yeah. As I was doing a little bit more research here on not only this verse, but just the devotion side of things, I got a couple of different things here that I wanted to share quick, and we'll see if you have any thoughts on that. So bear with me. It's not I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I kind of want to bounce around here a little bit. It says, if God is your master, you will love him and be devoted to him. You will seek the reward of pleasing him, and you will, like Jesus, despise anything that keeps you from pleasing him. If God is our master, our primary concern is not to try to get ahead in this life by accumulating wealth. Instead, we will be a generous and wise steward of the wealth he grants into our hands. Instead of storing up our wealth on earth and trusting it to bring us fulfillment, we will forward it and our hearts to heaven. In these podcasts, it really comes back down to the heart, and we do talk about that a lot. But I thought that was interesting, too, there, even just at the end, we will forward it and our hearts to heaven. Any thoughts on that? Yes, and ultimately our devotion is to God. 
that's our purpose here on earth is to share his word and be good stewards of his word to others and to serve and to forgive as he forgives us. Everything we do should have God as the focus and be based on that from a Christian perspective. The world that we live in and the culture we're in, we're always trying to be pulled in a different direction. So as I mentioned at the beginning, our natural human tendency is we want to serve both. We want to serve God and we want to serve with the serve the money that and the wealth that we've been blessed with. And I think there's two things that pull us from that devotion. And one is comparison with others and the need to feel like we need to accumulate more. Even in Ecclesiastes 5, it says, he who loves money will never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. We're always wanting more. But the other part here I wanted to share was when we view wealth in comparison to others, then we must have more than the one to whom we compare. We seek to push them down as well to elevate ourselves. And that's where Paul goes in and talks in this commentary about the root of all evil in First Timothy 6 is the love of money. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, is saying another benefit we gain when we do not have wealth as a master, we learn to be content. When we are not living a life of comparison, we can enjoy what we have rather than being enslaved to the master, which is more. It's not money that's the issue. It's the need for more. It's needing to accumulate. It's the master of comparison. We want to be devoted to God, but there's these things that are pulling away from that devotion. God knows our hearts. He sent his son to die for us because he knows that we do have a sinful heart at times. And we are easily swayed by, and money being a big one, he talks about money a lot, I think, because he knows that what comes with money is power, mm. is a lot oftentimes associated with that. And it's not necessarily money that is the issue. It's the sinful heart and wanting more. And see, if you make a certain amount of money, you always want to make more. And we're never content. And that's the sinful side of us, I believe. And God knows that about us. And so there was warnings from Jesus. There was warnings from prophets and it can consume us and take our focus from our devotion of God. But he sent us a savior and we should be very thankful for that and continue to share that with people to know that we are going to (laughs) fail. We are going to fail at times. And he takes that burden away from us. That point you just made there at the end that we are going to fail. We are going to fall short, but it's that constant seeking. It's that constant pursuit of living more the kingdom way, which we've talked about in other episodes as well, the kingdom way versus the worldly way, but also looking at your point there about failure. Think about who God used in the Bible. He was referencing this to the people he was speaking to and his disciples. He was referencing masters because back then there were masters and servants, and that was a big deal. And to be able to use money as an example as a master shows how big of a deal it was. But that's also why I think we do things even like this podcast and have these conversations because we're always going to be pulled in a different direction. And I think that's part of being able to talk about it, acknowledge it, continue to be in the word, have those conversations is just a small part of pursuing him more. But to take your last thought there about failure and think about who God used in the Bible, people that were devoted to him, Noah, (laughs) pretty devoted to God to build an ark and still had a lot of flaws. Moses, extremely devoted to God and messed up a lot. 
David, you can Solomon, you can keep going down this path of Paul. <laughs> Again, I'll stop now. But there's just these examples of God using people that were devoted to him, but still struggled. And in this particular situation, we're just talking about being devoted to God, but being pulled in this other direction because society's telling us to when it comes to our money, wealth, and possessions. Again, knowing it's not a bad thing, because I think oftentimes when we talk about this, there can be a negative connotation to, man, it always seems like money's a bad thing or this and that. And I think there should be that stirring, but it's also, as I mentioned in this commentary, it's about being content and stewarding well with what we've had. So anyways, a lot of thoughts there. Don't know if you have anything there. I would like to point out, it's easy to say, save money and have enough to have the flexibility. There are some that just aren't in that position to do that. And a lot of times it's not uh, their selfishness necessarily. It's just trying to survive and they can't get to the point where they can stand. But if you can't give money to help people, you can definitely give your time. And I think that's understated sometimes. Time is money <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's been said. And giving your time to help someone else, whether it's helping them move their house, or this is an example, or help somebody else whose car is broken down, stopping and assisting, anything like that, God sees those things. And those things contribute to society as well as giving money. So just wanted to point that out. I appreciate you bringing that up in terms of even on the generosity side of things. Generosity is more than just giving of our money. It's our time and treasure as well. And even our health, I believe, in our relationships. People might think, why our health? But if we're going to be the best versions of ourselves and our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, we should be you know, even as athletes. And I struggle with it all the time. Like It's all those things where we can be generous. It's not just our giving there. Let's take a quick break from the interview for today's financial topic. Today, I want to share a little bit about what we actually do at Passage Wealth and the type of clients we get to work with, and not necessarily a case study, but want to just give some examples of how we've helped serve clients even in the past couple of weeks or months, and just use them as examples, and maybe it resonates with you or someone you know, because everybody's situation is different, everybody's journey is unique, and we want to help meet people where they're at, and then provide the guidance and offer solutions and advice that fits their particular situation. First of all, I had an individual that retired a couple of years ago, had been receiving a monthly pension from this company. The company got bought out and they were offering either keep taking the pension, which in his case was a 50% survivorship. So in a previous episode, I think I've talked about the different type of pensions and how you can take it and stuff like that. But he was taking it as a 50% survivor pension, meaning that if something happened to him, his spouse would get 50%. So the company offered an option of either keep what you're doing or take a lump sum. So we were able to strategize and look at different options and compare taking the lump sum and putting it in a different type of account versus keeping it as is. And we were able to find him something that would guarantee just about the same amount of income with possibility of being higher down the road. But then the biggest thing was, and which was really attractive, is this would allow his spouse to get the full return of the lump sum, not just 50%. Another example, had a client that's a couple of years away from retirement and recently met with this individual and found out that he had switched 
jobs, and usually when you're only a couple years away from retirement, you're typically going to probably try to gut it out. But no, he didn't want to do that. He was willing to take, I think it was around an eighteen dollars to $20,000 pay cut. And he said he's never been happier in his life and he's enjoying the work that he's doing. We're able to look at the retirement plan, make any necessary adjustments. Fortunately, from his old job, he was also able to receive a pension, which helped offset some of the lower income. But it wasn't really about that. And that was a good reminder for me that it was some of the most happiest times he's ever been in in the new job and less stress and different things like that. Another example, I had a client come in and asked, how are you doing? And we get talking and here I have an agenda of Roth conversions and qualified charitable distributions and reviewing your accounts and risk tolerance. And she starts talking about her broken relationship with her sister of over 15 years. Her mom is 93 and it's also a broken relationship with her. The first 30 minutes of the meeting, I spent it just listening because I could tell that this client just needed to talk and have a sounding voice there to hear her and the prayers of restoration with her sister. Another example is helping a client work through an inheritance. We've talked in the past about how different accounts can work in terms of taxes and options that you have, and this situation was no different, looking at different options on the accounts and policies that were inherited and starting to formalize a retirement plan and an income strategy and also a tax strategy just based on the different accounts. Another example is a client retired earlier than 65. Typically, you can't start taking Social Security until 62, and so retiring early is all relative to the individual, but this individual was not 65 yet, and so retiring, we were able to strategize different income solutions that kept her taxable income low so that she could be provided health care at a much cheaper rate until she turned 65 and then shift things around once she was on Medicare. And so just looking at that strategy for people that maybe want to retire before Medicare where health care could be still expensive and uh, having a game plan for that. And finally, just another example here, and I know that's all kind of all over the place, but that's what we do in terms of helping people put together solutions based on their retirement journey. But finally, working with the farming operations, the owners of the operation wanted to provide disability insurance for their hired hand workers, looking at different options and them wanting actually the policies to go to age 67. So that was going to be the most expensive policies and farming can be high risk, but the owners were okay with that because they wanted to make sure that their employees were taken care of and wanted to do the right thing. And in that situation, they thought that made the most sense of being able to provide for those workers if something were to happen. And the nice thing was if something were to happen or those hired hands were to leave, those policies would go with them. And so different examples, but wanted to give a behind the scenes look on some of the things that we do at Passage Wealth and helping serve our clients. Everybody's situation is different, but hopefully this gives you a better feel for the type of work that we do for our clients. As we segue here into the next part, what is maybe a story, maybe real estate or something else, but Um, Because you're seeing a lot, especially on the money side of things. And you've already mentioned you're looking for a house and you have a checklist of 100 things and (laughs) that might not be attainable. What's 
where are you going to sacrifice or what were you going to give in? But do you have a story when it comes to money, whether it's personally or in your career? Yes. I've had a client that was a single lady and she has a pretty good job. And uh, we were looking at houses and we had those conversations and we talked about how does she live her life and mm-hmm. having a house that will fit her lifestyle of how she lives. She could have bought qualified for a much higher, more expensive house with her job that she has, but she chose to get a two-bedroom house with one bathroom because that fit her need currently that was well under what she could afford. She has been able to save money. She can travel. She has flexibility. And I think that's something that I try to advise people all the time is think about how you live and find a house that will fit that need. And that could be for five years, that could be for 10 years. But when you're buying a house, look for a house that fits your lifestyle, whatever it is, if you have kids or not. But that's a good story of kind of buying under her means, which allowed her flexibility to travel and do the things that she wanted to do. And I think that's a good story for everyone to take into account. Yeah, I think uh, you've used the word flexibility a lot today. And I think that is something to take away from this episode. That doesn't necessarily mean always accumulating more and needing more and having to pursue all of these different things. But the more flexible we can make our life, and that could be just something as simple as I'm not going to look at social media tonight. I just made my life more flexible by getting on the treadmill, by talking to my wife, by spending more time with my kids, by picking up a book and reading it. It can be something very small and tangible. Yes, we're talking about money, wealth, and possessions. And the more we are blessed with, in theory, the more flexibility we should have. But that's not always the case either. You have some people that have an abundance and their lives are just so crazy and stressed that they're not making time to be flexible. But Kind of goes back to your point, it doesn't always have to be about money because some people aren't blessed with a a ton of wealth or abundance, but they can still have a great impact as well. Flexibility, I think, is even just some of those small mental shifts and small things that we're maybe doing in our life that could free up flexibility for greater kingdom purposes. It's not always about our treasure, it's about our talents, our time, and how we're spending our time ultimately, I think impacts what we value. And I know for me, I wanted to get into investment properties for diversification and just different reasons. But I also know that when Rochelle and I decided to get into it, we wanted to be intentional about using it to give back and being generous with what maybe came of it because ultimately it's not ours. And yes, there is some generational wealth building, but at the same time, it's focused on how can we serve others and making that a priority of what we're doing. But I also know that there's just a lot of time that goes into it. There's looking at places and just, again, you can spend hours on Zillow or Realtor.com and not even think about it. But I think that's also true for other areas of life and everybody has a different situation. But I know I've had to catch myself in that and really reframe and reshift my mindset to be focusing on different things as well. Corey, as we wrap up here, any challenge or any way that our listeners could maybe step outside the box when it comes to their financial journey, when it comes to money, wealth, possessions? Something I try to do in my life, especially, and even when I advise people, is to think of ways they can have multiple streams of income with the uncertainty of things. You never know when your job could be eliminated if you work for someone. Uh, And it's always good to have different streams of income, as you referred to as rental properties, is a good idea as a second stream of income. Maybe writing a book, 
creating a podcast as you've done yourself. Those are things to keep in mind for people. Although I will say this is not an income stream no. <laughs> podcast. <No. laughs> this is uh, this is giving you the time to hopefully fulfill a greater kingdom purpose. But to your point, a podcast is a great way to be able to <laughs> generate yes, some yes. income. Creating something. And a lot of times the great thing about that is you can do what your passion is. I have a rental property because I want to supply housing for people, give them a place to stay that's affordable and the money will be there. But getting into something where you're providing a service for the good of people to help people out or contribute to society is a good thing. Corey, any parting thoughts before we wrap up today? My dad and my mom worked really hard, uh, so I never want to share something that makes it seem like they didn't. But my wife We've had these conversations before where she says I have a poor man's mentality towards money. And I always think I'm not going to have enough money. So I don't buy something because I'm afraid that, well, there won't be more money coming in. So there's Mm. not enough money and I don't want to overspend. And so a story that I have, my parents, my mom would tell me stories uh, where they had these bills coming in, they wanted to pay and getting towards the end of the month and there wasn't enough money to pay them. And she would pray about it and asking God, please provide. And then there would be some refund check or something that comes in the mail. And she's able to make that payment. My wife's not wrong. (laughs) Growing up that way, I think when hearing those stories from my parents, which I didn't know as a kid, they were very good at always providing what we needed, not always what we wanted, but what we needed. And I had a great childhood because of them. But that's something that I'm trying to overcome all the time is trusting God's going to provide. And he always has. When we were first married, there wasn't enough. We're trying to get on our feet. We had our first child. And it's like, I'm not making enough. Not making enough. Need to make more. But we were always able to pay everything. And I think if we trust God, he will always provide. He won't forsake us. Jesus said that. But we have to trust that God will provide what we need. And he'll put you in position and provide those opportunities for you if you stay true to him. Yeah. And uh, and be devoted to him. Devoted, yeah. Like we've talked about before and live out his word the best you can. We're unable to do it perfectly, but mm-hmm. we're keeping that front of mind and trusting him. He will provide. And it might not always be in money form, but he'll put you in a position where you can have an effect on others' lives. So that's a story yeah. that, that stuck out to me and um, thought I'd share. Yeah, I appreciate that. And what a great example of devotion from your mom, not knowing exactly the situation, but imagining the situation where it's, I don't know where this bill's coming from. Let's pray about it. Well, again, it's that constant devotion of trying to be loyal and loving to God in that consistent way. And yeah, thanks a lot for sharing that story. I just want to thank you for inviting me for the podcast. And we always have great conversations and hopefully the things that we talked about today can be helpful to anyone who listens to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks again, Corey, for taking time out of your schedule to join me today and uh, good luck with the housing market with interest rates up. What goes up usually comes down. And so just keep navigating through that. But yeah, thanks for being a blessing, Corey, to me and to those around you. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Austin. Thrive and Advisor Network and its advisory persons do not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Investment advisory services offered through Thriven Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor and a subsidiary of Thriven. Advisory persons of Thriven provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thriven Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Passage Wealth and Thriven Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website at www.passage-wealth.com for important disclosures.